So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are so awesome. Father, I thank you that this pulpit is your pulpit. I thank you that the word that is coming out of this place is from your heart, Lord. And Father, we have such an honor for your word in this church. And Father, we thank you that we are your bride and we are your body. And we thank you, Father, that, that the word that comes out of my mouth is the very word that comes out from your mouth. Father, I thank you that the EQ on this mic will stay set. Everybody, look at the sound guy. Look at the sound guy. <laughs> Show him the fire in your eyes. <laughs> and Father, I thank you that um, this word is very good seed. It's very good quality seed, God. I thank you that this is good seed and today we receive it with open hearts because our hearts are hundredfold harvest ground, God. We receive your seed and we will manifest a hundredfold harvest in everything that is said here today. Father, I thank you for the, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, and the spirit of conviction to rest upon us as we hear your word, God. We thank you that bodies will get healed as we hear your word. That money will appear in our banks as we hear your word. People with fat will start burning fat as we hear your word. Father, I thank you that phones will start charging. Bills will be paid as we respond to your word, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we've, we're on a series for those of you who are here for the first time. Hopefully it's not your last time. If you're visiting, consider getting a job and staying in Dubai. I really feel like that's God's call over your life. What series are we currently on? Excellent. So the mercy of God, and last week we understood what is the mercy of God. Mercy of God is, is, is communicated uh, from God from a place of love. You, God cannot have mercy over someone if he doesn't love that person. So God's love is unconditional when it comes towards us. It means that you don't have to perform in order to receive mercy. You just be yourself and you allow God to be himself. And his love and his compassion over you is so great that it's greater than his desire to judge you. Come on now. That song that we sang today, Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment, was the title of my message last week. And I, it, I'm telling you, we've, we love grace. We love grace. And we're like, every time we, we, we've, grace, the grace pill has been shoved down our throat for the last like five years. And everybody's like, wow, grace, grace. Thank you, God. It's only by your grace. No, no, no. You don't understand. You can't access grace without accessing mercy. You can't access breakthrough without accessing it through mercy. See, you need to understand that Jerry's mom last week or in this week has lost three kgs. Okay, let me, let me tell you, her dad, who, uh, her dad, not her dad, her husband who was not here in the service last week lost 10 kgs. 
right? 10 kgs. See, we've not really gone into miracle signs and wonders over the, over the years. Not, not that we haven't. We've intentionally not spoken about it only because we need to establish the word. And now the word is beginning to do miracle signs and wonders in our life. So don't think that the miracle signs and wonders are limited only to when John says it or when Kelsey says it or when somebody prays for you. As you listen to the word, the word knows your need. Come on now. The word knows where you're sick. The word knows where you, you, you're sick in your bank account. The word knows. And it'll start working only because you've embraced the mercy of God. Jonah was a funny character, probably the only guy who got upset with God in the Bible. And, and, and he, he, the reason why he ran away, people think he was afraid. He was not afraid. It's, he ran away because he knows God's character. He, ran, he says, God, I know you to be a merciful God. I know you. You have unconditional love. Hello. You ask me to go and tell them that God is going to judge them and you're the one who's going to forgive, forgive them. And I look like a fool. Amen. Amen. The messenger gives the message. The messenger doesn't get personal with the message. You understand? The messenger gives the message. God decides what to do rest. Do you understand? So when you see a situation in your life and God says, speak a, a word, whether it happens or it doesn't happen, your job is to speak the word. Don't get too personal. Did it happen? It didn't happen. If it didn't happen, oh, oh, you know, God doesn't love me. He hasn't called me. And of course, you know, you have the critters around you that will tell you, yeah, he doesn't love you. Doesn't like you. That's, you see, he told you to pray and didn't happen. Not only realizing that mercy was the channel through which God wanted to release the blessing. And so today I want you to be open to mercy because we're going to go a little more deeper into mercy. Okay, so Jonah says, God, you are merciful, you have unconditional love and you are slow to anger. Slow to anger and abounding in love. Slow to anger. Which means God doesn't get upset the minute you make a mistake. Which means his response time, negative response time, is a lot more slower than his positive response time. See, love is communicated most times in our response time. It's like when, when, when the kid does something straight away. What, how dare you do that? Naughty boy. We smack them. And when people in the church do something, pastors are, get out of the church. Condemn you. you are, go up, say Hail Marys and 20 this and 20 that. And it, see, the problem is we're not communicating from the mercy of God. We're not communicating to one another from this place of, of long suffering. Right? If you were, see, we're all interested in transformation. We are being transformed, brother, by the renewing of our mind. We're transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. How's your response time? Yeah. 
Hello. How is your response time when things don't happen according to the way you want it to happen? Hello. Hmm? Somebody cuts you on the road, you cut him back. But then you move to the next lane, like as if you're, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But actually your foot's just going down, like you're peaceful. Like, I remember I used to pretend when Kelsey was like with me in the car uh, and somebody cuts me off in, or they're flashing at me from the fast lane. And I'm like, you know, we have a patrol, so it's like, it's like a bus. Like no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper when I'm in this car. <laughs> and so I'm driving like that and, and Kelsey's like, hey, I think someone's flashing. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm like taking my time. But then, but then when he goes past, it's like, and, and then you're like, who's, who, who, who's this fellow? Who, who, who's? <laughs> and Kelsey's like, uh, guilty. <laughs> I remember I was walking my dogs once and once. I learned the lesson once. That's why I said once. And so I was walking my dogs once and I kept training Buddy to do this one thing. And he kept disobeying this one thing. And I kept getting upset about this one thing. And this one thing was pulling me while he was walking. He's so excited, you know, he loves the birds and the bees and everything that goes past him. He's like, <gasps> he's like, life, I'm alive, I'm alive outside the house. You don't understand it, I'm experiencing life. And so I'm like, come on, walk straight, walk, walk, premium prop, come on, put your head up. You know, I'm training him to do all these things because uh, it, deep inside I want him to be a sure dog, but <laughs> this dog is not showing anything that I'm training him. But anyway, so, so I kept getting upset and every time he did something wrong, I kept correcting him. I kept correcting him. I kept pulling the leash. Kept, I was like, come on, man. Just, why can't you? Know? Especially when, 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 you know, people are walking and, and I need him. <laughs> that guy has his own mind. So anyway, so while I was, I was checking him, the Lord said, hey, what's your response time? I was like, what are you talking about? Didn't you, didn't you, didn't you, <laughs> didn't you show me, according to dog psychology, that I have to do this to the guy so he can behave properly? He said, you are expecting a dog to behave like a human. He says, I gave you that dog to enjoy him. It's a gift for me. Ooh. It completely changed my perception of my dog. Now I started enjoying. Hello. Pick it up, pick it up. It could be business. Now I started enjoying my dog while I was enjoying every little thing about him because God is the one who gave me the gift to enjoy. You understand? But what is our response time when things happen that we don't like it when those things happen? It doesn't happen according to the way we like it. That's a better way to put it. Because our response time to that thing tells us whether we've been truly transformed or not. See, because God, when you make a mistake, 
<laughs> when you make a mistake, you expect him to be long-suffering. But when somebody else makes a mistake to you, you're not long-suffering, you're very short-suffering. In fact, you want to finish them off. You want to do something to them that will, that will vindicate you. Hello. You want vindication. But the Bible says vengeance is the Lord's. I'll tell you something. The day you start suffering long with people is the day you will truly understand mercy. Truly understand mercy. When you are patient with people, when you're patient with their character or a lack of it, when you're patient with the church, when you're patient with, with people's miracle signs and wonders, when you're patient with God moving in your life, now you are beginning to function according to his unction. Are you with me? So I'm so happy that you are eager for the word today. You're really going for it. You're just like, wow, I love this word, man. I'm telling you. Like, oh, wow. Ah, get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. I will start showing. See, the way you should think during, a, during the word, don't try to overanalyze it. Just say, God, you are like that. I want to be like that. It's a child's heart. I tell you, if you understand that our God is a God of second chances, okay, you will have second chances with people. Do you, do you understand? Like, it, it works like this. When you go to God and you say, God, forgive me for what I've done. He says, I forgive you. Second chance. See, the Bible says that he chooses not to remember your sin. So the next time you make a mistake, it's a second chance. So you will never stop having second chances with God. Hello. I think my church is getting smart. They're waiting for the punchline. That's why they're not celebrating it. <laughs> so in the same way that God gives you second chances, hello, give your neighbor, not a second slap, a second chance. Okay. So I'd love for you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. It's going to be a good, good. Today, really, I need you... To understand the word. Because such miracles will start happening over us. If you only get this. All the way at the back. I can hear a thundering amen. Wow. Wow man I'm telling you. Don't, don't lose this opportunity. You worked so hard to come here. You know you worked so hard. You dressed up. You brushed your teeth. You drove, you filled, you paid to come here, man. You put money in the offering box. Make the most of it. <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. Man, if I was in this church and I wasn't preaching, I'd be like shouting my guts out. Because God will give me new guts. Second chance, right? Anybody got guts? Come on now. <laughs> so, verse 18, chapter 1, verse 18. First, I shall be a little religious. First epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Corinthian church. <laughs> verse 18, are you there? Right. For the message of the cross 
is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let's read it again. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us. So the message of the cross is the. Oh, come on. So the message of the cross is the. Right, what is the message of the cross? The message of the cross is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of Jesus that he's not come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to rescue you. In fact, he came as you to pay a price for you and as you. He did not just come to die on the cross. They could have chosen any other method to kill him. But they chose the most gruesome method. Can you imagine Jesus, when he created that very tree that he was going to hang on? Right. Let's think about that now. And you understand that God does not do anything out of chance. He does everything with an intention. You're sitting here because he has an intention for your life. But the message of the cross, the good news that Jesus has paid the price for you. You've done not so well with your life before Jesus. Why? It's because it says here that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Perishing is a lifestyle of deterioration. Do you understand? And so for people who look at the, who, who think about the message of Jesus, the, the gospel of Jesus is, the good news of the gospel is, is like, what? I don't even, oh my God, it's like, what do, it doesn't even make sense. It's so contradicting. How can God become a man? Side note, why not? Why would God come down as a man and die on our behalf? Side note, because he loves you. Why would he come down and pay the price as me? So that means if I just believe in Jesus that he paid the price for me, that means I will stop perishing? Yes. It's as simple as that. But to the one who is analytical, the one who is wise, will think that this is just rubbish because it doesn't make sense. But to the one who thinks it is rubbish, you are in a lifestyle that is deteriorating. Which means the day you were born, you began to experience your death sentence. The day you were born was the day you started your life. You think you were growing, but actually you were actually dying. But then the day you believed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now you were born again, which means you, you were having a lifestyle of deterioration, which means that your money that you made is deteriorating. The health that you had is deteriorating. Don't wait till you're 70 to see, oh, you know, I really didn't make good choices in my life, man. I think I really messed up. Don't wait to 70. If you're even 10 right now, you have the chance to change your life. You have a chance that God will take your life and he will change it he will flip it around where you used to deteriorate now you don't deteriorate now your life starts renewing and there's restoration and there's abundance and there's prosperity and there's long life but it happens it happens because you choose to believe this message Are you with me? So he's saying the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us 
who are being saved. It is a power of God. Which means salvation was, a, was an experience and it is a work. There are, there are things in our lives, even till today, that are de- deteriorating. We're Christians, we're saved, we're born again, all our sins have been washed, but we don't seem to be manifesting those. There are issues in our lives, marriages. We have all these struggles, our finances. Man, I'm telling you, Christians are some of the most poor people around the world. Finances, it's just a a very icky subject. You can't talk about it in the church. You can't stress too much about finances. You can't say give. Because if you say give, then I was like, oh, okay, here you go. He's taking all my money and he's using it. You, you don't understand. Your money wasn't yours. It wasn't yours in the first place. He gave it to you to steward. And then we think that God needs to bless us. See, the problem is an unrenewed mind when it comes to finances, when it comes to marriage. The husband thinks that he is the man and the woman has to do all the dishes. No, 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 no. Doesn't, that's, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. You are no longer Presbyterian, Baptist, Catholic. Huh? You're born out of denomination into the kingdom. This is the kingdom nation now. Not a denomination. This is a kingdom nation. Amen. Where we all are equal before God. We all stand responsible for our actions and choices to God. Are you with me? No person in this room can say, Pastor John, can you speak to God on my behalf? You can't. For every choice, you have to be accountable. Hello? Do you understand? I don't go home and pray. Father, I pray for Sean. Ask you to, although I do pray, but I'm not praying like this. Uh, Father, please forgive him for his sin. God's asked me, son, why are you praying? Can Sean pray? See, for you need to understand how mercy flows. Mercy flows to the one who repents. Unless you repent and ask God for forgiveness, he can't give you mercy. People say, brother, just forgive. I don't mind. I have forgiven. I don't hold anything against them. But the problem is because they've made a mistake, they're still condemned. But they don't understand that when they sin against a brother, they need to go to the brother and repent and ask for forgiveness. And the brother who has already forgiven, okay. And the brother who has already forgiven exercises forgiveness. Do you understand? As Christians, we don't hold a grudge against anybody. Let me put it this way. When Jesus died on the cross, he made the provision for health 2,000 years ago. When somebody did something against you, you should make the provision for forgiveness. Do you understand? We create a provision for forgiveness so that when the person does come to their senses and says, I have made a mistake, could you please forgive me? Now you've already made the provision. Oh, come on. I'm telling you, it's a good word today. Verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? 
Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now pay attention. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. 26. For you see your calling, brethren and sisterin, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Come on, I'm going to read that again. For God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the... And God has chosen the... Of the world to put to shame the things which are... Mm. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the... And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are good. So the title of my message today is The Weaker Vessel. The weaker vessel. Paul makes a very powerful statement here. He's saying that God uses the foolish things and the weak things to confound the wise and the mighty. You know what it means to be foolish? I studied it. In Greek, that too. English was not enough. I had to go to Greek. It means you have lost your edge. It means that you have become dull. It means that you have lost your grip of reality. Actually, I don't want to say this out, but I'm going to say it because you're a merciful church. The word foolish is actually the word moro. <laughs> Which means moron. Okay. God is saying, if you've lost your grip of reality, it's a good thing. Because if you, if you are gripping reality, then you live according to that reality. But if you've lost your grip of reality, then you live according to the actuality of God's kingdom. So the problem is that we are too fixated with life around us. With people, what they wear, what they don't wear, what's on the news, what is Trump doing, what is this person doing, what's that person doing. I mean, we're, we're just addicted to reality. But God's saying, can you just be a moron? <laughs> Please. Just be foolish. Just lose your grip of reality. Just stop worrying about all the stuff that's happening. Just, just be, live oblivious. Be a fool for God. Because those are the kind of people that God loves to use. He's attracted to the morons. He's attracted to the foolish people. He's attracted to the dull ones. Not the sharp ones. He's attracted to them. 
you imagine? He doesn't go to the ones who are strong. Brother, this is so educated. <laughs> wow. Can you, it's like, it's like some other church today. They, they, they want your, what qualifications do you have? Pastor? Hmm? It's like, they have to put on the glasses. Hmm. Like, PhD, huh? Hmm. Wow. Who made you bishop? Who called you to be prophet? Where's your prophet degree? Did you study anywhere? This is the church. The church is stuck in reality. But this church is not. I'm so glad you're celebrating. The ones who are celebrating. And people, people will call you, man, these guys are not going for all the conferences, man. They're not watching all the stuff, God TV, you know. I'm not looking for inspiration. I'm looking for transformation. And the, and the new covenant says, the, the Bible says for that we are in a new covenant where we will be his people and he will be our God. And he will teach us about himself. The problem is we're too busy digging up wells of revival that are gone that we're not focused on the revival that is coming. We want to do well. We want to prophesy like William Branham. But God is calling us to be the new William Branhams of our time. To do something that has never been done before. Come on man. How long are we going to dig up the old? How, we, how long? Because if we dig up the old and then we, we, because it's such a reality, we dig out the old and then we dig out the man's bones with it and we're like, oh, William Branham, I don't know. And we lose honor for the man, but we try, we want the revival. We want the move of God, but we don't want to honor the man. Mercy, we're still on mercy, right? This is where, where you experience mercy. You need to understand that if you need to access the blessing that is on John's life, then it happens through honor. Not flattery, please. Honor. Honor is the state of your heart for a person that you don't even communicate with. Come on. Come on. It's, it's very different when you, one day I'm going to teach you on honor and it'll be awesome. It'll be really good. Because you can tap into blessings that, that are that people have walked in or are walking in just by honoring them. Honor is the key to move from one level of glory to another. Yeah. People want, I'm telling you, you might sit in this room and you'll be like, yeah, yep, yep, amen, amen. When the time comes for you to stand on this stage or stand on any stage, you will, oh, shucks, what did he say about the gospel? Do you understand? The test comes when you're not ready. That's why it's called a test. That's why he says, be ready in season and out of season. Be filled with the word. Be prepared. Man, I'm telling you, I started preparing messages when I was 16 years old. I knew that I was going to be a communicator of the gospel. I would study the word and as I would read the word, I would picture myself preaching. From the time I was 16 years old. Whether I had the opportunity or not, it didn't matter. I prepared. 
I'm telling you, God has got awesome things in, prepared for you. But the problem is you're not stewarding the moment according to your future. <sighs> I wish you got that line. You're not stewarding this moment according to your future. You're stewarding the moment according to your past. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty. To be weak means to live in a constant state of weakness, depletion. A lack of necessary resources without adequate strength and hence you're frail. Point of encouragement for everybody. This is encouragement, okay? Everybody has weaknesses. Amen. Amen. The religious ones say, uh, but trust me, take my word for it. Everybody has, including me. Everybody has weaknesses. When the Bible says, talks about weaknesses, he's not talking about moral weaknesses. He's talking about human limitations. Let me give you an example. Can I give you an example because you look so happy? Yeah. So eager for the example. Yeah. Just, just imagine you're a, you're a mother and you have three kids. Okay? And you're living in Dubai and you and your husband have three kids. You have full-time jobs. And uh, you have to uh, now wake up at four in the morning to cook breakfast for the kids who wake up at five. You have to feed them, you have to clothe them, you have to, get, you have to bathe them, you have to get them ready for school. And then you have to get ready yourself and then go to school on the way you're dropping them to work. And then you go to work and then your sales targets to meet. And you have a boss that is screaming down your neck. And then you have all of the drama of the world that is happening. You have to go for sales meetings, you have to do this, you have to do that. And you have to, ex you have to go through the, uh, the, the nasty part of life and then you finish work and then you come back home huh? and you have to pick up your kids come back home and you have a husband and you have to cook, you have to clean, right? And then you have to uh, bathe your kids before they go to sleep. And then just before you and your husband can sit down to, uh, to enjoy a quiet moment, <laughs> your husband has fallen asleep and you have so many things you want to talk to him about because you're like bursting with energy. And he's gone to sleep and now it's like, oh, what can I, and this goes on for years, right? Because babies don't just like, they just don't shoot up like Jack in the Box, you know what I mean? Like, what, what's the tree? Jack in the, bee. yeah, what's Jack in the Box? It's chicken, isn't it? Fast food, chicken, yes, amen, amen. So anyway, Jack and the Beanstalk, they don't just like go up straight to heaven like that, you know what I mean? So it's like constant, it's not one day. It's not one week, it's not one year, 15 years, 18 years. And if you're Indian family, 30 years. <laughs> 30 years. To the point where now it's like, when, when is he going to leave the house? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, sweetheart, maybe we should get him a good wife now. What do you think? So the only qualification for the son leaving the house is for him to get married. 
And then, yeah, he gets married and says, Mommy, can I stay with you? <laughs> Just imagine what, what the mother goes through. She comes to a moment in her life where it's like, this is inhumanly impossible. And then they join a church. And in the church, it's like our church. It's like our church is like everybody serves everybody. It's supposed to be at 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 12, 12 o'clock. Why do you have to come? The service is at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Why do you have to come at 3 o'clock? No, because that takes time to prepare. It takes time to put up the TVs and the banners and all that kind of stuff. And husband, wife, and we have to get ready now. Every day we're getting up at 4 o'clock. Friday also, I have to get up early in the morning. One day, Jesus, one day. Can I have a witness in this church? <laughs> The problem is we have human limitations. We have human limitations. But when we accept our weaknesses and we embrace God's purpose for our life, God gives us grace for everything that we need to do. See, the, 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 Paul says, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, or oh, the second Corinthians chapter 12, he says, man, this thorn in my flesh came from God. And, and I've asked God three times. He counted one, two, three. Three times, God, can you please take it away from me? And God's response to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. Stick on the purpose, my son. Stay on course with what I've called you to do. I let this thorn poke you a little bit because it keeps reminding you that you are limited in, in your ability. Let those children nag you a little bit. Get a little upset. It's okay just to remind you that you're weak. Weakness is not weakness according to the world. Weakness in the kingdom of God is an invitation for grace. Weakness before God is attractive to God. It's attractive. When, you, when that mother sleep, just when her husband's gone to sleep, just lifts her head to God and says, God, I can't do this. I can't go to church and fulfill your purpose for my life. I can't preach the gospel. I can't heal the sick. I can't cleanse the lepers. I can't be that businesswoman as well. I can't be that person who's an entrepreneur. I can't move in the supernatural because I have so many things to do, God. It's in that moment when you acknowledge your weakness before God. But you say, God, I know your call for me. It's great. I know that your purpose for me. This is the reason why you sent me here. This, the reason why you gave me these children is so that these children can add value to the purpose on my life. The reason why you gave me this church is so that I could be disciplined and grow in the purposes of, for my life. So that I can grow in the ministry that you've called me to grow in. So I can make a difference by receiving your word and applying it in my life. When you begin to talk to God like that, he releases grace. Grace not for you to do ministry. Please don't think about that. He's releasing grace for you to be a mom. He's releasing grace for you to be a dad. He's releasing grace for you to be a good sales manager. He's releasing grace for you to be a great businessman, a businesswoman, a pastor. Trust me, Kelsey and I have our schedules full, full. My God, it's full. If I were to invite you into our life, you would ask us, how do we do this? Grace. 
It's the only way. I have meeting, one meeting in Sharjah, another meeting in Dubai, three meetings in Dubai, then one meeting in Abu Dhabi. Like this, I have 15 to 18 meetings a week, plus church, plus studying the word. I just, I, I stand before God like, thank you so much for inviting me on this awesome adventure. I never say it's too much. I never say meeting my people is too much. I never say I'm too busy. I never say, because if I say I'm too busy, I'm limiting grace over my life. Are you with me? I never say I'm tired. I will work till I fall down. But I will not say I'm tired. You know why? Because tiredness is not a fruit of the spirit. Because when I'm weak, he is my strength. Let me tell you something. I don't eat. If you want to know the life that Kelsey and I live, I don't eat on Friday. I just have a cup of coffee. This energy that I have is from the word. I sit with the word every day and I fill myself with an energy that just keeps make, me going on and on and on and on. I can go on like this for till midnight. In fact, I don't sleep till 5 a.m. on Friday, on Saturday morning. Because I'm buzzing with the energy of God. You understand? God, we are not limited by time or space. We are not limited by a lack of energy. But the problem is when we position ourselves before God saying, God, it is too much. It is too much for me to handle. I can't do what you call me to do. Because all of this stuff that you blessed me with is too much. God blesses you with a new job. Six months after the honeymoon period is over, the new job becomes a pain in the neck. God, this boss, what happened? <laughs> First, you know, because I, I had a couple of jobs in this nation as well. Initially, they're like, how oh, come? Mm. Come work, come work, come work with us. Mm, you got plans for you. Wow, your plans for, oh wow, the plans for me to prosper. And, I, uh, and we quote all these scriptures and then six months in, we, we plans are totally different. They have plans of slavery. <laughs> they have plans of abuse. They have political plans to step on you so that they can grow. Hello, am I preaching to someone? <laughs> See, what you need in those moments is to stand before God and say, I'm weak. I can't do your ministry. I can't do what you call me. I can't serve in church if you don't help me in this area. Please help me, God. Release your mercy over me so that I can do what you call me to do. And according to Paul, the ones who are foolish, the ones who are weak are the ones that God chooses to prove a point. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the weak ones he calls. Why doesn't he go to the qualified ones? Hmm? Why doesn't he go to the ones who have their theology and doctrines and all their, you know, the frills and the frolly? Some of us think we have an MBA degree. Which means we are something before God. Let me, let me tell you something. Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Yes, yes. He 
his parents and him kept the law to the T. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He studied under Gamaliel. He was the, I mean, he could teach the teachers. That man says, all my qualifications, all my degrees, everything that gives me confidence before man is poop. Do you understand? He's saying all this stuff is just rubbish. In fact, if you bring all this stuff before God, you don't smell like a sweet offering. You smell like an offering that was laid yesterday. And it's now smelling the whole neighborhood. Do you understand what I'm saying? We come before God thinking, I've fasted, I've prayed, I've read my Bible, I've said all the yes and amens, I've given my tithes and offerings, I did everything. And we stand before him and say, now it's my right to bless me. No, that is dung. Not saying that it's not important. That is dung. You know why? It's because you have to come into a place where you are blessed to do it. You don't do it in order to get blessed. You don't fast in order to get a breakthrough. You have a breakthrough and then you fast. Because you understand that the breakthrough cannot have my heart. Oh, come on now. Just, just think, just think, think about it like this. If you buy a new car, you've been dreaming about this car. Wow. I kept saying I went to, uh, to um, I was going to say the bank, but not the bank. It felt like I needed to go to the bank after we went to the showroom. But um, we went in and there's this new showroom, Tesla showroom opened up in uh, Mall of the Emirates. And so we were just walking past. We had some time to uh, kill. We kill time. Do you know that? Because anyway, don't worry about it. <laughs> So, um, because time does, if, if not time will kill you. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so, you, you have authority over it. Yeah. So, you can tell it to stretch and you can tell it to become faster. You understand? Okay, right. So, uh, so we went into the showroom and, and uh, I was like, wow, this is... This is new technology. This is like, I mean, I've sat in Kirby's car before and I love the car and they can pick me up and Fiona scared me by her driving. But because she thinks in Sri Lanka, she's on a Formula One track. Okay, so please, like I've experienced uh, the closeness to God in that land. Anyway, I quietly said, Father, into your hands, I surrender my spirit. <laughs> So I was, but I loved the car. I was like, wow, it's so minimalistic. It's so phenomenal. It's eco-friendly. And, he, and the guy pitched it. He pitched it the right way. He said, uh, you drive a patrol? I said, yeah. So it's like what, 600 dirhams uh, full tank? Yeah, I said, yeah. He said, uh, uh, for 500 kilometers on this car, you pay 30 dirhams. <gasps> <laughs> I was like, what? 30 bucks? He said, yeah. So I said, how much? That's the big question, isn't it? Is it, and he, then he told me the price. It was like 400 and something thousand. I was like, uh, come on, love, let's go. <laughs> I, I'd rather pay 600 bucks for a full tank than, you know, than any of that stuff, like 400,000. I was like, oh my God. And then God checked me. And he said, do you like the car? Please don't think I'm pitching for a car. Okay? I'm... <laughs> Please, don't come to me with car keys, especially a Tesla, okay? Now is not the time because I'm, you're in a vulnerable state. You need to understand my integrity 
is, is for you to be blessed. Okay, that's the whole point. Uh, so the Lord said, hey, um, do you like the car? I said, yes. He says, I'll provide it. Okay, he said, I'll provide it. I said, how? He says, it's not your problem. So he said, don't go to the bank because it's no point. That's borrowed money that they are lending to you. Please understand that when we go to the bank, the bank is in debt to somebody. And they're taking that money and giving it to you. So you're sowing into debt. Okay, just... And you're paying it back in installments. Debt. Why don't you allow God to to provide for you? The way he provides for you is by trusting him. By you trusting him and putting your faith in him. When he says do something, do it. He says give your car, give it away. Don't question. Because when you question, you're revealing confidence before God. You're saying, I know better than what you think. But when you are weak before him, you're saying, give give it away. I give it away. I'm weak. I I, I don't get it all, but I trust you. I trust you. And now you're positioning yourself to be blessed. Do you understand? God is attracted to people who are weak. But how he, we see through the Bible that God always used weak people, man. Tell me one person other than Paul who was not weak. Show me one person who was, even Paul, he had to knock him off his high horse and make him blind to the point where Paul had to repent and ask for mercy and then God used him. We look at, we look at guys like, see, we need to understand that God is not interested in how awesome you are to use you. Because the, if you are wise according to the world, then your confidence before God stinks. You got to go before him humble as ever. I go to him every week and say, God, please help me. <laughs> Literally, I go to him and say, God, please give me a word for your people. I honor your pulpit. I will not desecrate it. Please give me a word. Keep your honor high by giving me a word that will, will radically transform people's lives. Do you understand? I do it every week. I don't sit and say, wow, you know, I've uh, preached about mm, 200 sermons now and uh, over the last four or five years and, and you know, uh, thus says the Lord, brother. I can just walk up here uh, and just open the Bible and just, you know, just rattle away. And then you'll be like, wow, whoa, whoa. And you walk away, miracle signs. Are, no, 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 no. I'm still weak. It's amazing when people who, are, who stand at this pulpit, who stand on any pulpit, admit they're weak. They don't have it all together. The character is not perfect. Like, wow, Jesus just walked into the room. Wow. No. John needs Jesus. We need Jesus. Every single person, every single day is weak and we need God's strength to strengthen us. You know, you might be struggling or battling with things in your life, man. 
trust me, you're in the right place to be used by God. Think about this. David was 16 years old when God called him. 16 years old. God called him to be a king. He was, he was a shepherd boy. He was listening to Baba Black Sheep. When God called him to be a king. You know what David did? He went back to being a shepherd boy. He didn't go to the palace. Yeah. Weakness. He knows his place before God. He said, God, when you're ready, I will be used by you. See, we all, all the time, we have promotion from the Lord. But then when God wants to promote us and he gives us a word, we go back to our jobs and we hate people around us. I think we need some band, bandages today. <laughs> huh? God brings us to this nation and this city. After the first couple of years when things don't go according to what you planned, the way you planned it to go, you start hating the city. Shows a sign that you know too much. That you know better than God's call over your life. We, we can't be in that position. Even when things don't go well. Man, it, David ran for 15 years. 15 years. People tried to kill him for 15 years and he ran and ran and ran. But in the moment of his weakness, David's heart was always for the Lord. He always acknowledged God. He always knew that God was the one who was his deliverer. And God delivered him every time. Just think about this. It is, I want you to be okay being weak. I want you. See, we... Society promotes strength. You know how? We all struggle with it. Look at your phone, for example. When you take a picture of yourself, how many pictures do you take? Huh? Until you find the right one, and that's the only one that you put up. Why don't you put up your ugly photos? Why don't you put up your photos with your stomach like that? Huh? huh? Problem is, society is obsessed with strength. Now, it's going to drop. Just watch out for it, okay? Don't fade away. The reason why society wants strength is because there's a glory. There's a glory that is attached to the strength that you carry. The problem is, if you live according to their understanding of strength their understanding of glory, then you are gripped by the reality that is deteriorating. Do you understand? But when you are weak before God, he gives you a strength and a glory that is eternal. Do you understand? So we don't, we, don't, we just put, just put your weakness out there. Put your weakness on social media, man. Then you will know who your friends are. Put your ugly photos on there. Put your photos with your hair f not made up properly. When you wake up in the morning, you know, you have an awesome hair style. Why don't you take a picture and put it up online? 
put your put the put the photo of inside of the car you know the boot your trunk take a picture of that and put it no show people what you put in your car show them what is in the junk that is in your trunk why don't we show it why don't we show it is because we are obsessed with a glory that is fading away it's only momentary glory do we want that glory only for the moment so that they can promote us they can say good things about us they can put a like button how many of you would say god like my photo that settles my case right there god has not liked a single person's photo from the beginning of creation even till this today and he will never do it ever again do you know why because he cares more for you than your photo on facebook Let me tell you something. When you think, oh, pastor, I don't have education. I, I'm not very qualified. God used the stone to knock a giant down. He will take your insignificance and he will change the world. Don't, don't underestimate the glory that comes from weakness. There's a glory that comes from weakness that the world desires that only you have. But the problem is you're so obsessed with how they want glory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, want, I, want, I want them to. The problem is, let me give you an example, right? A sales manager, a person who's in sales, a sales manager who, who has a glory. Are you listening? Yeah. Has a glory that convinces people to give them money. You know what I'm talking about. If you're in sales, you're anointed to convince people to give them money. That's why your company pays you. They're not paying you for you. If it was up to them, they wouldn't like you. What they're paying is for the glory. Come on now. What they're paying is for that supernatural ability. Oh. Let me tell you something, you know, my, my company is, is, specializes in this. Uh, every year on year, normal companies give 20% increase in the targets. Mine gives 70 to 80%. Wow. Beautiful. I just love it. it seems, see, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't go, oh, oh God, Lord, <laughs> what do, I'm weak. No, no, no. I, I look at it and I'm like, yes, come on. You know why? Because if I, if I say to the target, you are too big, then my God is too small. See, you need to understand that when the company increases the target, it gives me an opportunity to experience the ever-increasing glory of God. Do you understand? Stop cribbing and crying about your sales targets and how much work you have and all that kind of stuff. Just go before God and say, I love it. I love the challenge because you're not saying there, oh, I have the ability to produce the money now. You're saying, God, you gave me the job. You're the one who put me in this place. You're the one who's going to meet the target. Let me tell you something. This year, they increased my target by 70%. Okay, 70%. And we were supposed to, my, my target for one radio channel was from, it went from 700, uh, 600,000 to 900,000. One, one month. In one month. 300,000. Where am I going to get it from? So if I, had to, if I had to think, 
oh, you know, the client paid this much last year. Maybe if I convince them, I get more money. And then that, maybe I'll, I'll work hard, I'll work hard, I'll work hard. You'll work hard till your bones fall off. And nothing will happen until you understand that, that when they increase your target, when they increase, the, 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 they're putting a demand on glory. Your company is putting a demand for you to increase in glory. And you need to position yourself to say yes. Not because I want a promotion, not because I want a salary increase. No, because I want the glory of God. When you position yourself there, now you're saying, when you say yes to them, go to God and say, God. God, I'm, I'm, I'm weak in this area. I did great, God. My strength is only to meet their target, but I'm weak in that extra 60, 70%. And then he says, okay. Because you're fulfilling my purpose, please listen to me. I, we, have a, I, we have a church of three, 400 people. I have to do three, minimum three me sales meetings for my company a day, plus my church meetings. Plus, I have to run the church. I have to preach the word. You have to do everything. Do you understand? I could, people would experience burnout, but I'm only just burning higher. Do you understand? We're just getting better. Burnout is not a fruit of the spirit. You know why? It's because when you are planted by the rivers of living water, your leaves do not wither and whatever you say shall prosper. Do you understand? Prosperity is a fruit of the spirit. You must come into a place where you acknowledge that God, the expectation is high, but I know that you can meet it. Oh, come on. Oh, the pastor is wanting us to come at 11.30 now, God. I, need, I, want, I have a heart to serve your house. Amen. Boom. He gives you the ability. Amen. He increases the glory over your life. Now you start seeing breakthroughs happening in your workplace because you chose to serve his house. Wow. Oh, come on. Come on, man. Come on. You have to come into this place where you understand that God is interested in purpose. His purpose, not your purpose. His purpose for your life. And everything, when you seek righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Please, I am, I've, I've been in church and in ministry for maybe about 24, 25 years now. I've done this for a very long time. And I've heard people crib, grumble, and cry over serving in the church and doing this. And I can't do it. It's too much for me. Oh my God. Oh my, oh. Let me tell you something. If you listen to this message again, right? Listen to this message again. And listen to what God is saying to you. He's inviting you to experience glory like you've never experienced before. He's inviting you into an upgrade. I'm upgrading you from 2018 to 2019 only by saying, God, I'm weak, but your strength is made known in my, weak, in my weakness. You okay? Yeah. Are you tired? Ever-increasing glory. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I can preach for hours because of the ever. Can you listen for hours? 
Very good. Since you said that now, the whole of heaven, <laughs> the whole of heaven is listening to you. It's absolutely okay to be weak before God. You know, Gideon was a weak guy. The Bible says that he was the last in his family. He was the weakest in his family. In fact, his tribe was the weakest tribe of Israel. And the guy was so scared that he was hiding in a, he was threshing wheat in a wine press. As a doctor doing a sales job. Some of you are like, you're feeling weak at this moment. This is how God operates, okay? Gideon is called by God, and when God calls him, he says, calls him mighty man of valor. Gideon was not feeling mighty at that moment. He was feeling mighty scared. <laughs> but you see how God communicates to us. God does not communicate about how you've been. He communicates according to how he sees you. If you think you're weak, he sees you as strong. So in order for him to see, in order for him to see you as he sees you today, he has to release ability. He has to release grace so that you can become what he sees. I know you're getting it. So Gideon now is weak before God. God calls him and then over a few tests, he passes the test. God says, you're the chosen one. He says, God, you're the chosen one. And together we shall do something together. Right? So now the, the, all the enemies of Israel, the Bible says that the camels were like... The camels that the armies, the enemies bought were like grains of sand on the seashore. That's how many camels they had. The men that came to fight against Israel were beyond anything. It was full. The valley was full. So Israel, go, I mean, uh, Gideon goes and brings all these people. And there's exactly 32,300 people. There are millions of guys that are ready to fight for the enemy. And Gideon has 32,300. And God calls him and he says, oh, I think you're too much. <laughs> I think you have too many people. Just remember, weakness is a good thing. So he says, okay. Those who are timid cannot fight. Don't come to church. I mean. Those who, those who are timid and don't want to fight, go home. So 20,000 20, go home. And then he's left with 10,300. And then God says, hey, take them and make them drink water. So the ones who cup and drink, like how... We used to do when we were kids. Uh, and the ones who lap like a dog, send them all home. 10,000 go home. So he's left with 300 people. 300 people versus millions of the enemy. Okay? If the camels got upset, they would have smashed these 300 guys. Only the camels. Forget about the people. <laughs> so, so God tells Gideon, he wakes him up and says, Gideon. Yeah. <laughs> Kelsey said, Gideon. Gideon, Gideon. 
<laughs> literally that's what he said gideon get up get up get up get up for today i have given you victory sorry god you sent my people home <laughs> I, i i can't i can't go grocery shopping for these people with 300 guys you want me to take them out and god's like yep i've given i've already given you victory Let me tell you something. When God speaks a word of victory over your life. Wait, 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 please don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. Wait. When God gives you a word of victory, he has put your a notice on your enemy for defeat. Do you understand? When he says you are going to have the best week ever. Oh my god every demon in hell has shaken because of fear because you are going to have such a victorious week. Do you understand? He's he's not playing games. The enemy listen to me, the enemy is not playing games. He knows when God has given you a promise. When God told Gideon that I've given you victory, that people in the enemy enemy's camp started getting dreams that Gideon was going to come. He's going to come like a loaf of bread and he's going to crash everybody. So God tells Gideon, "Get up, go and have take your victory." And so he he takes these three hundred guys and he sends hundred over there and hundred over there, like literally, like our church, like all of us. Come on, yeah, yeah! He goes up. They don't even take swords; they take torches and horns. Weakness. He takes these guys and he says, "When I tell you." start shouting when i say shout just shout and blow the horns and say for the lord and for gideon <laughs> literally that's what it says so these guys come up and all now the enemy sees them coming and they're all getting all ready and all that stuff and then gideon says okay now and they all start screaming they start shouting they start praising they they blow the horns and all of that stuff and one by one the enemy starts fighting amongst themselves gideon that day did not have to do anything he didn't have to do anything all he had to do was worship like how we do on a friday All he had to do was just come to the come to the edge of the stage right here and start shouting praises to God and every enemy that you have starts killing itself because I just feel like we just need to lift up a shout of praise to God. Come on. Just like Gideon's mighty man just lift up a shout of praise <laughs> 